What is up, everyone out there in the podcast universe? This is Chad the Mark from the We Don't Know Sports Show, and we are coming to you today with a baseball-only episode. So if you love the Hall of Fame, hate the Hall of Fame, care about the steroid issue, think the writers suck, listen, because we covered it all and things got a little out of hand. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, what is up, guys? This is Chad the Mark, and I'm sitting here in Man Cave 2.0 with Mr. Brown. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I'm just ready to talk some baseball. <laughs> Are you distracted? I was a little distracted. Yes, <laughs> you're getting. I'm, I apologize. I know you're amped up because baseball is your your passion, right? That's I'm, your number one sport. Amen. I'm ready to go. And we're going to talk a lot about baseball. Canadian Biggie, you out there with us, brother? I'm here. I'm ready to roll. Well, you know what? Let's just jump right into it because it's January. It's miserable weather outside, but the summer classic that is baseball that we all we all enjoy and everybody plays it as a kid, but only the true elite ever going to make it into the, the halls of Cooperstown. And, and that's what we're going to talk about here because we have the 2019 Hall of Fame induction class. And just, you know, reading it off here, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, you got Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, Roy Halladay, and Mike Mussina. And I just want to start off right away. We'll jump in to Mariano Rivera. Hold on just one second. How do you say his name again? You got to oh, say it right. Mariano Rivera. All right. Now, we, now we can right. go on. Sorry. Exactly. And somebody can play Inner Sandman while we read the rest of this. There you go. But the thing about Mariano Rivera is he is the first. He is the first what? Unanimous uh, decision for the voting. 100%. 100%. How does that make you feel? Me personally? He was obviously deserving, but I feel like there was many more before him that obviously could have been there. I feel like he's a reliever who pitches the ninth inning, occasionally in the eighth inning in the playoffs. <laughs> and yet, if he don't have the lead, he's not a factor. So I'm all about a everyday player like a King Griffey Jr., like anybody before Mickey Mantle. I can name a ton, right? This shouldn't be the first guy, right? So, I mean, he deserves it, but I feel like there's many more before him that could have got the nod way before him. I mean, Biggie, is it that big of a deal to you? Like, do you even care that he's the first unanimous, uh, you know, vote getter of all time in baseball, you know, Hall of Fame history? It bothers me. It bothers me badly. For him to be the first guy who was unanimous decision is like a slap in the face to every guy who played every day 162 games and could have an out, out, have a, impact on the outcome of the game in the sixth or the seventh inning down a run down two runs saved a run in the outfield hit a home run mariano first ballot hall of famer definitely but to be the first guy ever as a unanimous hall of famer i don't like it i don't like it at all so this is this is what i don't understand is so many people in baseball and we'll get to edgar martinez as one here in a minute too where I get that he's a closer. I know he doesn't he he doesn't pitch every game. He doesn't play every day. He's not batting. I get that. But it's a defined role in the game. It's part of the game. Like, I mean, how coveted is it to have a closer like that? Every team ever would want a Mariano Rivera on their team, just like everybody would want a really good DH. And people want to rip these positions apart because it doesn't cover every aspect of the game. Well, you know what? A first baseman doesn't field fly balls in left field either, but we don't ridiculously ridicule them for not being able to run around athletically and they just stand with one foot on the bag. My point is they all have a spot 
on the team to do a task they're assigned to do. I mean, I understand it's also the same reason why you're never going to see a middle reliever ever make it to the Hall of Fame. But a closer is there for a purpose, and he serves it well. And let me ask you this before you completely rip apart everything I just said. Is Mariano Rivera the best closer of all time? I mean, I'd yes. say he's the best closer of all time, but I feel like he could be passed at some point. Um, so okay, but as, as of right now, now, he's the best okay. closer. Okay, so at least, you know, we, we all agree he's deserving of the Hall of Fame. Probably first ballot, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right, so all right, so go all ahead and rip apart what I All I'm going to say is I feel like closers have been unfairly targeted in the past. Like, we're just going to, like, take them off the uh, selection here because they're closers. They, they're – I don't, I don't know the reasoning, but they've just been uh, undervalued, a closer, right? It's kind of kind of like a DH. Right. But I'm fine with Revere getting in. I think he should have been on first ballot because I don't feel like closers have gotten the love they should have gotten. Oh, and he was great. I, I feel like they, they haven't gotten enough love is what I meant. But he's not the first unanimous decision. Oh, that, he that, is. That eats at me so much because there has been so many people, just recently, the kid – the Maddox, uh, Greg you Maddox. You can't undo it, though, now. I'm it's already been like, done. He is the best pitcher ever with the through 89 miles an hour. But he'll never be. Exactly. He'll never be the first unanimous Hall of Fame induction. It, it, it does eat at me. I'm not going to lie because there's many more before him that's deserved. I mean, he's good at what he did, but he's not the first guy. shouldn't have been. It's, they got this wrong. They should have. Yeah, I'm sorry. There should have been one asshole that just said, "You know what? I'm not voting." Like they always do to everybody else. Sorry, I agree go ahead. with you. If you look at the no, if you look at the history of baseball, who was the Yankees closer? Closer in 1946, 56, 76. Can you tell me who their closer was? Because it's been such an important role in the history of the game. You know what's been an important role in the history of baseball? Your center fielder, your third baseman, your first baseman. Rivera, first ballot Hall of Famer, yes. The first guy to ever be a unanimous selection, bullshit. But the problem with the whole unanimous selection thing is the problem with the Baseball Hall of Fame in general and these stupid writers out there because they created this monster. The second Babe Ruth didn't become a unanimous Hall of Fame induction, they just let this thing become, you guys should be rejoicing that now it's over. He may not be the guy that's most deserving. I never said he was. But I'm just saying I'm excited that someone finally is. I don't care who it is because now this argument can hopefully be put to rest and we can start giving some people a more distinguished honor about being that unanimous selection. See, that's where you're wrong. I'm glad that it's finally over, but it bothers me, Mal, that it's over even more because it went to the wrong guy. I mean, who would you have given it to? There's so many guys that you could have given it to. I'm just I'm like over on this one. I'll go Griffey Jr. Mr. Brown's got 20 guys on well, top. How, of how come Joe DiMaggio had to wait four different times before he got in, Biggie? I because mean, he's one of the most Monroe. iconic. He's one of the most iconic baseball players of all time, and he had Marilyn Monroe on his side. So you tell me why he didn't get in first ballot unanimously. Well, she had a lot of people on her side. So well, JFK count. too. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I, but the point is, whatever name you can throw out there, you can give another name because it goes back to 1936 when this whole crap started. You you should have already been putting people in unanimously, but the the writers are bigger than they should be. That's the problem. I mean, the whole problem is. 
the fact that it's taken this long for the first unanimous decision shows you how flawed the system is. Almost 100 years. And I, I got that you're glad that it's over, but like he said, it's the wrong guy. You should have picked the five-tool, can't-miss guy like a Griffey, like a DiMaggio. Not really a Babe Ruth. He's not a five-tool guy, but he was an icon. And if he can't get it, what makes you think that Mo can't? Well, well, here's what here's what you really got to pay attention to is in the past the baseball writers have always been a little hesitant to go crazy on the Yankees players because they're part of that dynasty, they're part of that machine. So a lot of times they end up waiting a couple years before they get in. So we just got Mo goes in unanimous. You got Messina in there too. Guess what? You're about to have your second unanimous Hall of Fame vote receiver in about. 12 months. I, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. It's going to happen. It's it's not going to happen at all. It's going to happen two years in a row. The Tom Brady of baseball is getting unanimous next year. Derek Jeter, baby. I'm calling it right now. Yeah, pinstripes. Put them in a different uniform, and it wouldn't be that way. Not they with the Hall of Fame. Rock. The Hall of Fame does it differently. The Hall of Fame, it, traditionally the writers – being a Yankee slows your role getting into into Cooperstown. Hey, Biggs, I hate it just like you, man, but Jeter is he, he's a first-timer. He should be unanimous. Look, I mean, look at his stats, man. I'm not going to throw him out here, but uh, he, he was legit. Just he, You can't undersell the fact that he was the captain of the well-oiled Yankee machine, and he went out there and he performed. No matter what the uh, you know spotlight was, what the – what what the score was? He just delivered day in and day out. He was a great ball player for a lot of years. I just feel like, as great as he was, he got elevated a little bit because he was on all these great New York teams. The the one thing that I'm going to get you guys to uh, probably feel a little bit better about is what if I told you that Mo was not unanimously selected? What if you told? What if you told us? Yeah, well, you feel better if he wasn't unanimously selected. Oh, absolutely. Because because three people didn't send in their ballot, so technically he wasn't unanimously selected. But they changed the rules. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't count now. He's 100%. You don't, well, maybe. He is. What if we find out that he's not on those ballots? That's too late. We're already fired up and pissed off, so it is what it is at this point. <laughs> All right, well, let's continue the uh, the fire, fury, and rage Biggie, you got to feel good. You got your boy in the hall. Go ahead. Tell me Tell me just how joyous you are. I feel pretty damn good because the Mariners haven't been in the playoffs since the start of this century, so I need something to hold on to. Four years ago, Edgar was at around 27% for voting, and I felt like he'd never get in because primarily he was a DH. And... uh in four years, he got a little over 85% of the vote this year. So I don't know what that says about him or the voters in general, but it makes me feel pretty good. And the other thing that I really like about Edgar is that he wasn't a full-time starter in the majors until he was 27, and he's in the Hall of Fame, primarily as a DH. That's He worked. He was impressive. Well, me- he went with the big ass on his head. Maybe he'll wear one of the new powder blues they just came out with. He played 18 years. He had a long career. Uh, this was his final chance to get into Cooperstown. Yeah, that's the part of it that gets me the most. His last year on the ballot, he jumps almost 60% over what he was four years ago. I'm happy. Uh, let me talk about Edgar for a minute. 
I feel like a lot of the reason why he got in is because some people did feel sorry for him being on his last year on the ballot. Uh, he was a DH, right? Seven-time All-Star. Not shabby, but not great. He had some great. He was a great hitter. Don't get me wrong. He was a great hitter. There was one year he had 145 RBIs, which is outstanding. But over his 18-year career, he averaged 24 home runs, 99 RBIs, and he batted 312. But to me, there's there's I will get to it in a minute. But there's a player that's not even sniffing it. That's got way better numbers than Edgar. Ooh, I'm I'm wondering if we might have the same guy. We'll I mean, find out. but no. But the thing is, is Edgar was a great player. But to me, I feel like he got in as a result of the steroid guys. Uh, so they, they, they elevated his uh, levels up to where they shouldn't be. Well, may, but maybe those steroid guys would have gotten in a long time ago and then, you know, he wouldn't have been in this You situation. can't jump that far up. I mean, to me. But you know what I'm saying, though? If, if the steroid issue was never an issue, and we'll get into that crap here in a minute, but, you know, maybe those guys wouldn't be on the ballot anyway this year. You know, because right now we've been log jammed for the past few no, years. No, there's been a log jam on the ballot. But 24 and 99, and that's a Hall of Famer now. I just It's frustrating to me because he was slow as molasses and he didn't play the field. His 24 and 99, if you put it through his prime years, are a lot better numbers. That stretched over 18 years where he was up and down as a player. So if we're going to argue eight or 10 year stretches, he had a pretty good one. And the other thing that I think got him in this year, I was really surprised as we go through this, two DHs made the Hall of Fame this year. Well, I only recognize one of them officially. Yeah, amen. I don't recognize the other biggie. So right now we'll go ahead and we'll, right now we're gonna go ahead and say there's not much of a debate on Harold Baines. He's not in my Cooperstown. Amen. Like Chad said back in the day, if you used him in the Sega game or the Nintendo game and he was coming up to bat, it wasn't one of those players you felt like, oh, I'm going to win the game now. That's You're like, like Harold Baines, not Edgar. Yeah, Harold Baines. Weak ground out to third because he's a soft contact lefty hitter. <laughs> late, late on the fastball, so I'm going to slap it to third. And he, he's god-awful. Harold Baines should not be anywhere in the Hall of Fame. And it pisses me off that crime dog Fred McGriff fell off the ballot. And now we have Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. Now is it the Hall of Average or the Hall of OK? It's just the Hall of guys that played baseball better than most. It's terrible. I mean, Edgar, I can live with because I can see the argument on both sides. But Harold Baines is a travesty. And I'm going to leave it at that. Almost like the Hall of Average when you put Baines in because what he did over his time. Baines is in the Hall of Fame and the crime dog isn't. I mean, there's something wrong with that. The the one thing I'll I'll say about Edgar and I was looking at this earlier is you know he I, he was a patient hitter. He didn't strike out a lot, and he's got he's got a pretty high you know um, OPS. I mean, so I mean he. I, I'm, I'm okay with that group. Again, it goes back to the thing I was talking about earlier where some people just want to jump on him because, you know, he, he's a DH and he's not playing in the field. And, you know, honestly, when you play in the field and you're doing 162 games that way, it's it's going to take some years off your game. You're probably not playing 18 years at, where he played 14 years at a, at a pretty decent level. I absolutely agree with you because, like, the fact that he only played on one side of the, uh, the, uh, the ball there – but I, he may not have the same stats he would have now had he played the field every single game. It, it, no, it, it prolonged his point. career. 
the thing is, though, like, where do you draw the line on? Do you, do you punish him for that? I mean, he still produced really well. I mean, you can't because... And he played third base sometimes. Major League Baseball has the rule of the DH, so you can't punish the guy because it's within the rules, right? So he's a DH, and he was one of the better DHs. So I can't say that it's... You can't hold it against him. So so is, is David Ortiz happy right now? Absolutely he's happy. <laughs> Big Poppy's dancing in the streets. He's a first ballot right now. Oh, you think so? It's possible. You I think do. so? Even well, even with a failed drug test, you think so? By the time he is up for election, if you look at this year's, this year's vote, two relievers, two DHs, the voting is changing. Well, let me. Well, let's just keep. Let's let's. Well, we'll come back to that. Let's let's stick with who we got right now. Finish this up. Did you think Roy Halladay was a first ballot Hall of Famer? I didn't feel like he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I felt like he's Hall of Famer. I feel like, whether you want to hear it or not, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he died. You know, that's probably the thing that nobody wants to say, but everybody's thinking it. He's most he's most remembered for, uh, obviously, his Toronto days, and then he went to Philly, and he threw that no-hitter against the Reds you know, in the division series. That was an amazing game. You know, he, he did thrive in that postseason, but he only had 203 career wins, a 338 ERA. Um, he played for 16 years. Uh, so, so 300 wins used to be the magic number. Right? I, I don't think you can stay there now with today's game because right? the game's changed. You're, you're all about middle relief, so the 300 was the, the, the benchmark, but now not anymore. So who was the uh, pitcher this year that won the Cy Young? He only had like 12 wins? You're talking about DeGrom. DeGrom, I mean, so you're absolutely right. You can't, you know, the, the 300 win thing, like if you're a 65-year-old baseball rider, you might still believe that, but I think if you're under the age of 50, there's no no chance. That's You're, you're not going to see that ever again, are you? I mean, I don't see any workhorse that's going to get 300 wins. I mean, you might come across one. There's a few Bulldogs. I mean, what's Kershaw got right now? Uh, he can't stay healthy. He's I know. Not, he's not going to touch it. But you see what I mean? Like, even your most elite pitchers aren't even going to sniff that. And man. I don't know what Scherzer's at, but he's a Bulldog. So, I don't Scherzer know. Is. But it depends on how long he stays. And he had a late start, too. So, it's a hard it's a hard mark to hit. Sorry, Biggie. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say those 203 wins are the fewest for a guy as a starting pitcher elected to the Hall of Fame in over 40 years. So it kind of, yes, it's a different game now, but it also has been a long time since that 300 game mark was the mark for your entry into the Hall of Fame. I'm with you guys, though. I I feel like uh, Halliday would have got in. At some point, but I feel like the unfortunate circumstance that occurred uh, uh, accelerated yeah. his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame, and uh, that's why he's here on the first ballot. Yeah, I mean, he's not, and, and I won't even pin it on that. Like you said earlier, you got some steroid era users out there that are that are helping that out too. But he got the same amount of percentages uh, Edgar did, so it's not like he snuck in. He got he's eighty five percent. He got in, you know, relatively easy. The, uh, the the thing it is, you know, maybe what we start looking at a little bit more will be that, you know, the war and your ERA and, and just your average win-loss maybe a little bit more than the total and just see how you are averaging. If you played long enough, then maybe okay. And, and honestly, you know, he didn't play on some really good Toronto teams. I mean, he was, he was their stud. He was like kind of all they have for 
a while. I mean, it seemed like when they did have some other players or pieces, they traded them the next year. But, you know, he averaged, uh, I think, what, 17, 17 and 9 is what he was pretty much every year. Like, I know, you know, me, I take a 17 and 9 pitcher all, all day long. All right, so the fourth selection was another pitcher, another Yankee. You know, so we got two Yanks in there with uh, Mike Messina. He's an Oriole. Or an Oriole. Is he going as an Oriole? Absolutely. But go ahead. I'd rather go in wearing the pinstripes. No, go ahead. What else you got? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, curious on your thoughts. I mean, he was. I, I got to start with this one, Biggs. I'm sorry. This this one hits home for me. I, I've got a reason for this one, all right? So, the Moose, right? He gets in. Five-time All-Star. He uh, 270 wins. So he flirted with that 300 mark. He did. He was his, a little better than Halliday as far as that goes. Yeah, right? he was a little skewed with 2.68, but he did play in AL East his whole career, and those are all hitter-friendly ballparks. He played in Baltimore and he played in New York. Yep. They're they're both launching pads, but he was a big game pitcher. All right. So he had five All-Star appearances all of Baltimore, which says he's got to go in as an Oriole. All right. All right. I'll give you that. I oh, didn't know that. Just let me finish. He's got to go in as an oil, and I'm I'm very uh, grateful that he got in because I've loved Mike Mussina since he came into the league, and I'm going to say why. Because back in the day, this is me being uh, a fan now, I sent like 20, 20 letters out to MLB players, right? <laughs> and I, I included a upper deck 1992 card of Mike Mussina. He sent me the card back. Not only did he sign the card, Right, this is before e ban anyone trying to make a quick uh, buck. Yeah, you're right? finding it, you're finding right. this out of like a magazine or something. To, right, yeah. it was out of a Beckett. I Beckett. sent it, okay. I sent it to the team site. He sends it back to me, signs the upper deck '92 card, which I still have to this day. Not only did he do that, but he also signed the envelope that he sent back to me that said "Good luck in Little League" and signed it again, Mike Mussina. Did you have a good year that year? Oh, it was awesome. That was that was the time that I flipped the switch. Was that was that the Florida year? Yeah, no, it wasn't a Florida. Year. It, wasn't a Florida it was the year before. <laughs> a sign of good things to come. So I am very grateful for the Moose getting into the hall. I've got nothing but good things to say, and you all can start with whatever controversy you have. But congratulations, Moose. So I, I, I don't really have controversy, but the the thing I remember about Messina was most of the time he was a real dominant pitcher, and then just occasionally. He'd come out there and just like, what the, what the hell are you doing? But I thought I, he – so he was one of my favorite guys to use on those old video games because I felt like he always had the most pitches. He could throw anything. And that was real life. In real life, he could throw anything. So anytime he was playing, he was a fun guy to watch because he, he could be advantageous against almost any type of hitter. And you're right. He did it in those small ballparks. I mean, he – I think he's deserving. I, I I'm not going to knock it. I, I I honestly like Messina better than than the holiday selection. I, I agree. And he and he only got um what uh, shit seventy six ish percent. Yeah, he barely got 76%. in seventy six percent. He was the lowest candidate. Yep. You know the thing I like about Messina is he got drafted into the major leagues out of high school, like a tenth or eleventh round pick. Decided to go to college, take his scholarship, play baseball better himself not bet his life on how well he could throw ended up being a first round pick now he's a hall of famer that combined with just who he is as a person very happy he's in the hall 
His war is 20 points higher than Holiday. I believe it. I mean, and to me, yeah, I'm just a starstruck little leaguer, but to me, him signing that letter as well as the card, that shows you what type of character he had. So obviously you can then check the uh, integrity box because he, he, he was l- the real deal. So why don't you send him another letter and see if we can get him on the show? I should do that. <laughs> I should absolutely do that. Probably go out to wait till after his induction, though. Hey, do you remember me from Little League? <laughs> I, I could screenshot it and put that in the letter. That You know, that might work. Because now we have that technology. We, we didn't have that there. back then. I don't know if you can still use the same address, though. <laughs> I still have the letter that he signed as well as the upper deck card. All right, so more interesting, let's talk about maybe who didn't get in and maybe who lost their chance forever. So I'm going to skip the PED era people just for a second, or maybe not the necessarily all the people, but the ones that are at least linked to some type of substance or doing something nefarious. Um, Kurt Schilling only got, uh, you know, he was fifth. He, he got, yeah, he was, he's 61%. Is he good enough to be in? Should he be in? And why is he not if he is? To me, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Not only was he a very good pitcher during the regular season, not top end. His numbers aren't the greatest. Look at where he pitched at. If you're getting into the postseason, you got a guy on the mound you need to win a game with. Kurt Schilling is one of those. Kurt Schilling, John Smoltz. Those are names that come up. I got a big game in the postseason. I need to win. I'm going to throw him on the mound. To me, the reason that Kurt Schilling is lower on the voting percentage, has nothing to do with who he was as a player. It's all about his Twitter account, right? (laughs) It's his politics. He is extreme in one direction. If he were extreme in the other direction, it wouldn't affect him as badly. I mean, I'm with you. As much as I love the Moose selection, um, I would select Kurt Schilling ahead of Moose as well as Roy Halladay. If I had a vote, I would absolutely select Schilling ahead of both of those guys. So the the thing about Schilling for me is, you know, he was he was a above average pitcher early in his career, and then there toward the later part of his run with the Phillies, he, he kind of caught fire a little bit, and then he had the run in, in Arizona, and then he became a legend in Boston. I mean, but yeah, three uh, different uh, places. He and, and, I, and I think that's it, it was it was actually when you go back and look at it, I think it was only like a five or six year span. But during that five or six year span. He was on point. And the bloody sock alone, like, people are going to remember that forever. But when that you put could, him over the top. It did. It, that, that's where legends are born. Exactly. Legends of the fall. No, that was amazing. But the thing with Schilling, though, when you look at some of these numbers, they're not overwhelmingly strong. Like, I think he only averaged. What's he got? What, what do you want to know? I mean, what? give us some numbers for him. Uh, he, he averaged 15 wins a year. All right. Um, well, here, let me, let me. What's his career wins? Guess. Uh, two forty-five. Biggie, you got a guess? I'm out looking Two sixteen. Nice. Still more than Halliday. Well, yeah. Uh, winning percentage is lower. Um, if you if you want to get real uh comparable and analytical here, so uh, if you value WAR at all, Messina was an eighty-three career. Schilling was a seventy-nine. So, props to right. Moose there. 
Schilling played 20 years, so I think that helped him. And I think, like I said, toward the very end of his career, and then definitely at the beginning when he was kind of meddling around and not really evolving into anything great, you know, that, that kind of affected that over time. Yeah, those first years, kind of, he scuttled for a minute. He really did. Um, then he got going. Schilling's run goes from the early 90s Phillies all the way to him and Randy Johnson with the Diamondbacks and then over to the Red Sox. And to me, those are the years that put him in the Hall of Fame. He he played, he appeared in 153 more games than Halliday. Mm-hmm. And their wins are 216 and 203. Oh, oh! I'm still gonna say it's from the scuffling early years. <laughs> but you throw out appearances. How many of those were starts, relief appearances, and inning out of the bullpen in no, a no, playoff he, game? He's typically a starter. Yeah, I mean four thirty six to three ninety for starts. Okay. I think what the difference was with Schilling, where he built his legend, was the fact that he had much more postseason success than uh, Roy Halladay did. Because, like like you said, the big games he showed up. I, I would challenge anybody to uh, tell me a better one-two punch between him and Big Unit in a playoff oh, series. Oh, my God, it was unreal. You are going to be down 2-0. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that to me is like you're winning this series, and then you got Luis Gonzalez, you know, f- slap him on over the second base and winning a championship because of those two guys. He does have a, he does have a, uh, a lower whip than uh, Halliday or Messina. They hit that over uh, off a of mode, didn't they? What they is did. it, Luis? Did. He did. Yeah. Luis Gonzalez, uh-huh. Hall of yeah. Famer. <laughs> All right, so I mean, Schilling's in the discussion. I think he'll get in. What year? I mean, I don't. I don't know how many years he's been on the ballot, but I feel like he's going to get in. He's on number. This was number seven. I feel like he'll get in. So, but but you see, like for a guy like Schilling that. I think a lot of people revere the same way that we kind of talked about. I know I kind of pissed on it a little bit, but I was doing that on purpose because because you're a liberal. Is, is yes, no, you know better than that. <laughs> yes. but, you, but you know his his stats when you really break them down, they don't stand out in the screen. Oh, I'm a lock for a Hall of Famer. I think he's a fringe Hall of Famer. I think he deserves to be in, especially if you want to talk about comparable company to keep. He definitely deserves to be in. I think. As good as the legend is that he's built while playing, to what Biggie said earlier, one of the things some of these baseball writers hold as dear as anything is that integrity aspect and how how much of a character they they character issue they might or may not be, and that's that's what's keeping them out. You're 100 percent right. Is he going to get I it next year? About how the baseball writers uh, determine who they believe is worthy of the Hall of Fame and what is told to the NFL writer. Peter King has been on before, and he talked about Darren Sharper as a Hall of Fame candidate. And it was, how can you even consider him? He's going to jail <laughs> to hate rape women. And Peter King said, we're told to consider only on the field. I wish that it was the same thing in baseball, because Kurt Schilling would be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if they go to prison, I'm okay if you don't put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is that, we're having these decisions in baseball. And what are we talking about as much as we're talking about who was elected? We're talking about the BBWA, whatever. We're talking about the guys who chose them. Well, and, how it and I understand what you're saying. Like, if you ever go to Canton, 
you know, the times I've been there, the number one, you know, place you'll see a people crowded around and looking at something. You're like, what's, what's the crowd? And you go over there and it's the bust of OJ Simpson because people just want to look at it. I don't think Schilling has that type of shock value. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think just because he's a mouth, you know, it, it baseball baseball writers are like that that's just how they are and i'll say this based on the legend it felt like he had built in the in the uh, postseason his numbers really don't add up as what you would think they would nope. but i mean i think he like like i said he stuttered a little bit in the beginning but i mean i was kind of shocked when you brought up those numbers because i didn't look at his numbers so let me ask you this you got shillings going on number eight next year we got another guy going on number 10 who do you put in? Do you put in Schilling or do you put in Larry Walker? No, we'll get to Larry Walker. Well, we're on Larry on him now. Yeah. I'm putting in Schilling ahead of Larry Walker. Oh, no way. Rear numbers are good enough in the regular season and overall to get him in, and he had impactful moments. You cannot write the history of baseball without Kurt Schilling. You can write the history of baseball without Larry Walker. He was an MVP. He was a five-time All-Star, and we're going to talk about Colorado, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? He won one. He got an All-Star appearance in Montreal. So, yeah, I hear you. He was also a seven-time Gold Glove winner in right field. He played 17 years. He batted 313. His average season was 31 and 107. That's pretty good. All three are higher than Edgar Martinez. And guess what? He played in the field. He played in the field and won seven gold gloves. And Edgar never won an MVP. So guess what? Larry Walker should be in right now. Edgar should be going to the freaking Veterans Committee. (laughs) So so Larry Walker is, is going through some undue strife. Because they didn't put him in already, right? He should already be in. Larry Walker should be in right now. The stats don't lie. The dude could rake. He played the outfield. He was good in Montreal before he got to Colorado. Colorado accelerated his career. I got that. But guess what? He performed. How many players have went to Colorado and didn't perform? Larry Walker was a good player before and after Colorado. And you know what? He was a good defender, which we can't say about Edgar because we we'll never know. We I guess know. the one thing I will say is like even with those those averages, the last couple of years he had in St. Louis, he was he was nothing. But he was done then. You know what I mean though. But those averages are still there. He still played a lot of games for St. Louis, right? And he still was able to have those career type numbers. And I always have a hard time. And maybe this is a, a terrible blanket statement, but anytime you're a league MVP. Man, that, that's that's automatically like Hall of Fame consideration for me. Obviously, you've got to do it for a few years. You got to show that you're a consistent athlete. That's not just a flash in the pan. But when you win an MVP of a league, like, like, come on, man, that that puts you in that conversation almost immediately. All right, so I got to jump in one more time. All right, Edgar versus Larry, higher career war. Okay. Obviously, obviously, he has seven more gold gloves. <laughs> seven. One more MVP. He's got higher, like his averages, higher, higher home runs, higher average, higher RBIs. But let's put Edgar in just because he's on his last year of his ballot, and we feel sorry for him. 
I mean, there's no compare. There's no argument, Biggie. What can you say besides I'm a Homer Mariner fan? That's why he needs to be in. Yeah, I mean, he beat him in slugging percentage and OPS. He's one point higher in batting average, and he played the field. Like I'm, I'm there's with you. There's nothing there. Like I don't, and, and like not taking anything away from Edgar. I think Edgar deserves to be in too. But how do you put Edgar? You're right. That's what it was. Right? It was the tenth year rule. It was now Edgar. I think it was in the fifteenth, maybe. But I mean, anyways, yeah, he was grandfathered in. Yeah, but like my point is, I feel like these baseball writers, half of them should be fired because if you can't <laughs> see that, we need a new crowd in there because this is just complete. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Complete chicanery. Yeah, sure. Um, it is because shenanigans. Look at everything that I just presented to you, and there's no argument. So these guys. That's their job. You had one job, and you got it wrong. You know what the problem is, is even if you fire them, apparently you can still be, like, voting for the Hall of Fame for 10 years after you stop writing for the the paper. This is out of control. (laughs) Out of control. I mean, I'm grateful for Edgar, but I feel bad for Larry Walker. What are Larry Walker's numbers if you take out his years in Colorado? That was his prime yeah, years. I mean, he played like 12 years in college. You can't just be like, I'm taking 12 years of your career out during your prime age years. Dante Bichette was a beast in Colorado. Dante Bichette should not be in the Hall of Fame. There's a difference. Yeah, we're not making that argument. Hey, I'm just saying. Big Cat, Andres Galarraga put up better numbers than Dante. He, he should not be in the Hall of Fame despite coming back from cancer. Larry Walker was a whole nother level, okay? Larry Walker's a Hall of Famer if he plays his entire career in Montreal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seven gold gloves. What are you saying? Because the air's thinner. It found his glove. Come on. I'm not talking defensively. I'm talking offensively. I mean, that's that's maybe maybe that's why Larry Walker had more RBIs and less games than Edgar Martinez did. But it still doesn't disqualify him. And I, I think the... The, you know what? I'm going to jump in. I've been, I, I was going to bring this up later. There's a guy, and, and Biggie's going to hate me for this. There's a guy that was on the ballot this year that didn't get in, and he'll never be on the ballot again. All right? And it's Edgar Martinez. If Edgar Martinez played in the field, Lance Berkman. That's Edgar Martinez if he's playing in the field. And Lan- more numbers? And Lance Berkman got a whopping 1.2% of the votes. What was his numbers? I don't even know if it's that important. I mean, but, like, you're comparing him to Edgar. But, but the reason why is because there's no way, like, look, you already heard me say that I don't think you disqualify somebody as being a DH. But now we're at the point where we're comparing Larry Walker to Edgar Martinez. And you, you and me are both saying that, we would take Larry Walker all day long. Oh, absolutely. Because he's a more well-rounded player, oh, yeah. you're getting more out of him. I think it speaks for itself. The seven, seven gold gloves? Seven. Seven. My point is, Bergman was a really good player. I think if you put Martinez in the field, his stats would adjust down to Bergman. That's just a, a complete guess. You know, I'm just speculating that would happen because when you're playing in the field, things happen. You're not going to be the same hitter as if you're a DH and all you do is take BP all day. Hey, Beggy, let me ask you this. Batting average-wise, so do you really believe Coors Field is going to, like, make you, like, a 380 hitter? <laughs> no, but I think it can take a, a 290 hitter and make him a 310 hitter. All right, so all right, let, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Larry Walker in, in Colorado 
batted 366, so we'll make him a 346 hitter. He batted 363, we'll make him 343. He batted 379, he's a 359. And he also batted 350, 330, we'll call him that. And 338, which we'll call him 318. Those are outstanding numbers, dude. They're outstanding. They're, they are. Now, just so I'm clear here, numbers really matter if it's a guy that's not in but we want him in. But if it's somebody that was voted in and their numbers are suspect, they don't matter. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying I just want is guys that are in the that Larry number. Walker should already be in. He should already be in. We're saying that Edgar, you have already been in, where it was a challenge between him and someone other than Edgar, or him or someone other than Kurt Schilling. How many times has he lost out to a better player, other than just this year? I don't know. I mean, you're asking me to go back and look at all the voting all, records. All I'm <laughs> saying is he's, he's got better offensive numbers. You say it's cores, whatever you want to say. But guess what? He, he also won seven gold gloves, which Edgar didn't even play in the field. So he's a two-way player, had better offensive numbers. So if you want to knock him down a little bit because of cores, you can't take away the seven gold gloves. He's a great all-around player. I'm not trying to knock him down any. I'm just saying that. And let me yeah, just yes or no, yes or no. Is he a better yes or no, Biggie? Is he a better player than Edgar Martinez? You want to talk about an all-around player? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Show. That's it. That's it. Argument's over. Guess what? DH is a position. So is right field, and he still hit better than him. He hit better than the DH did. Who, who yeah, got to but, play a majority of his career with Jay freaking Buhner and King Griffey Jr.? Hey, Larry Walker got to play with Dante Bichette and yes, Baylor's. Yes, you've dropped that already. And big cat, Andres Galarraga. <laughs> he so, should be in the Hall of Fame too, right? Uh, Galarraga's not quite there. No. So I loved him, though. I love the big cat. So Lance Bergman, did he have more home runs or less home runs than Edgar Martinez? I would say more. Uh, he had 366. Edgar had 309. Yeah, I'd say he had more than Edgar. RBIs. Edgar, yeah, I'd, say, I'd say Edgar had more. Edgar had him by about 30. Uh, of course, Edgar played a lot more games. Stolen bases, that's so low. Who cares? Yeah, because Edgar's uh, slow. Walks are almost the same, 1,200. Uh, batting average, Edgar. I'd say Edgar. 312. Lance Bergman, 293. Uh, but the OPS, Lance Bergman was higher at 943 to 933. So he actually showed to be a little bit more patient hitter and got the extra bases a little bit. So I. I mean, it's, it's a good comparison. They're, they're very similar. And how does one make it in and one falls off the ballot at 1.5%? He's gone. How does that happen? Because that's pretty comparable. I think it's because of the steroid situation that Berkman put up numbers, but it wasn't like everybody else. And he was always just a big, like, thumper. Like, he was like a big, like, chubby guy. <laughs> he was never in great shape. And he was just kind of like a lumberjack kind of guy. Switch hitter. And yep. he would just swing the bat. And, uh, well, and that's thing. the other thing. He was a really good switch hitter. Oh, he was. He was. I just I can't see how it's not that far off stat-wise and then one's completely off the ballot and the other one's a Hall of Famer. And I'm not trying to dwell on Lance Bergman. That wasn't the point. My point is that none of these guys are like surefire locks. They're all relatively in the same ballpark. You're having, you're having looks at all of them. And, and yeah, I'm look, Biggie. I'm glad Edgar got in. Oh, I am too. I am. It, it's just that now Larry Walker is in the same situation that Edgar was in, being down to his final year. See, it doesn't bother me a bit that Larry Walker's not in because <laughs> my guy 
man. And See. here's the thing. See? He hates hey. Coors Field, too. You got to look at it as a baseball fan, not just as a Mariners fan. This isn't the Mariners Hall of Fame. I have nothing in it. I'm looking at it from an objective standpoint. I, I think that uh, Larry Walker's going to get in next He's year. got to. Because he had the biggest jump this year in all the candidates. He jumped by 20%. Yeah, he's at he's a 50, almost 55 right now. Biggest jump. So I think he's in next year. I'm not going to say, I think it's going to be Jeter. It's going to be Walker. And I think Schilling gets in. I don't think Schilling gets in. I think he gets There's any I, other names you think that would pop in? Well, let, let's keep going down the list. Omar Vizquel. He's got 42% of the vote. What are your thoughts on him? I don't see him getting in. I'm surprised he's that high. But, like, Vizquel was – I always thought he was a good player. Like, good good shortstop, leadoff hitter, sometimes hit number two. But, I mean, good slap hitter. He had, like, 2,800 hits, but he played 24 years. Yeah, he did play a long time. He stayed healthy, too. But the thing is, those hits are skewed because he played for so damn long. Was it 28 and 24? Mm. 2,800 hits. Yeah. Omar Vizquel, to me, is not a Hall of Famer, and he shouldn't even be sniffing it. Well, he's sniffing it. He, he, only, he, he, wasn't a, uh, he wasn't a really good base runner as far as, like, stolen bases. Average 22. I mean, he'd, he'd walk a few times. Batting average 272. On base was 336. His OPS is only 688. I mean, I get that for a, for a leadoff guy. It's not going to be as high as some. But still, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't wow me. Like, I'm fine if he doesn't ever get in. I'm fine, too. How you feel about Crime Dog? Uh, yeah, I've already uh, said this at length, but uh, it was his last year on the ballot. He fell off. He didn't get to vote. I, I feel like he's going to get in on the Veterans Committee. Yep. But to me, the Crime Dog was the uh, definition of consistency. I think he had like seven, eight years straight of 30 home runs. Uh, he was true professional, integrity. He, he was an outstanding player. Uh, never a clubhouse is, issue on the field. Uh, Crown Dog should be in. I, like I said before, he had 493 home runs. If he would have hit seven more, he would already be in by now. There's only one reason why he's not. Tommy Mansky. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch those on rain delays <laughs> in high school. We think we get to go home. He's like, no, nope, we're throwing on the Tom Amansky hitting videos he with Fred McGriff. He approved that video. I'm serious. We never got to go home. That's what we watched. Hitting off a tee into a, a chain link fence. Yeah, why not? Yep. I mean, he almost – he was seven home runs shy of 500, though. Oh. But, dude, well, he, ra- he raked in the playoffs. Number. He raked in the playoffs. Career 302 hitter, I think, in the playoffs. Um, every time he got in the playoffs, he raked. But a guy that almost hits 500 home runs, I'm not upset. He's not he's not Harold Bainsing everybody. You know, if he gets in on the vet committee, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I'm not Absolutely. upset. But I but I'm not I'm going to be a lot more upset if Larry Walker doesn't get in than I was for Crime Dog not getting in. I agree with that. Okay. I'd agree. I I love Crime Dog. The fact that he's going to the vets committee, I think he'll get in there, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. If you want to, like we were debating earlier, Larry Edgar, you think Larry's a better player? Okay. To me, McGriff, if he just hits seven more home runs, he's in the Hall of Fame right now because 500 is that magic number for guys who aren't associated with PEDs. 
right, running down the list, just rapid fire some names here. Jeff Kent, yes or no, is he ever going to get in? No. I think he should be, but he won't. Why not? Because they're not going to vote him in. I don't know. I mean, he, he was the best, probably top three second baseman uh, hitting power-wise in the history of the game. He's at 18%. I mean, he's not going to get in. He's on year six. But he should get in. He would have to make a Larry Walker-type jump. He hit like year. 20 or twenty home runs for eight straight seasons. But you know what I mean? He's going to have to jump like 40%. Like, I think it's the mustache, dude. They're, they're, they're rebelling against it. All right, Scott Rowland, second year on the ballot. What's his percentage? God, 17. He's right there with Jeff Kent. He won't get in. He was an excellent defender. He was a really good defender. But he, got, he, he couldn't stay healthy towards the end. No, but he played a long time with the Phillies before he came over to the Reds yeah. and the Cardinals. And I, he'll never get in. Billy Wagner. I think he should get in. He won't get in, but he was an excellent closer. And he. I think he knew when he stepped away because he retired very early. He could have played five, six more years, but he didn't care because he baseball wasn't his life. He actually wrapped up with the Braves. Um, excellent relief pitcher. Threw 98 miles an hour, like 160 pounds. The dude, he was a Hall of Famer, man, but he's like, you know what? I'm bigger than that. If I get in, I get in. If I don't, I don't. I'm wrapping it up. I want to be with my family. So if you had to compare it to like pro football, he's going to be under like the Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner type thing. Like yeah. He was good, but did he play long enough? I think he realized when he walked away, he cost himself Cooperstown. Uh, Todd Helton, first year on the ballot. Coors Field. And we know Biggie's answer. Todd Helton, hell no! <laughs> you said Hall of Famer, you're lying, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the best thing Todd Helton ever did was back up Pete Manning at Tennessee. OPS, 953. What was his career average, like 320? 316. Man, I'm good. I'm telling you. Slugging was 539. Dude, he was good. He was a good hitter. Huh? You don't think he'll get in? I don't. It, it pains me to go otherwise because I am a Todd Helton fan, but I I wonder I wonder if he will make it in or not. I think that his numbers are deserving of the Hall of Fame. All right, well, I'm adding in to the uh, summer-slash-fall tour. Um, we're going to take a road trip to Coors Field just so Biggie can see it up close. Just so Biggie can hit a home run because it's so easy there. Yeah, let him hit a home run softball style. Hey, you throw me softballs, they'll go out the left field. You're going to hit him out 330 down the line? He, no, he's going to hit him over third base into left oh. field. Oh, okay. <laughs> over the third baseman's head, got it. You remember in softball, they moved the fences That's up? That's right. In a rock and jock softball. <laughs> Dan Cortez is out there. <laughs> All right, how about um, Gary Sheffield? He's on year five. Uh, I'm going to say he won't ever get in because he had some suspicion with the PED, but I will say this, the Gary Sheffield – was one of the most feared and violent hitters I've ever seen. Don't in the throw game. him a fastball. Dude, that swing where he would clock his bat mm. like towards the pitcher continuously. Like I'm gonna hit it at you. Dude <laughs> I'm t- Gary Sheffield was a bad man, but he'll never get in. But he was one of the best hitters I've ever seen as far as like just he was violent. Why was he such a journeyman? Uh, he had an ego. He, he was a little high head, right? He, he played a few good years in Atlanta, but, dude, he put up high 30 numbers for home runs both years he was there. Good player. He won a World Series, right? With the Marlins. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most impressive swings I've ever seen in the history of anything. How you can do what he did with the bat 
and still smash something coming at you 97 miles an hour is amazing. I think if he had the same career and he'd played it mainly for one team, he'd be viewed a lot differently than he is as far as uh, Hall of Fame consideration goes. I don't know what his career numbers are. All right, I got I got them for you. His OPS is a little lower at 907. Slugging's a 514. Batting average 292. He aver- he only stri- averaged striking out 74 times a year. That's good. Walked 93 times a year. Uh, and then uh, his – wow. What? I, I think you got to put him in. What is it? 32 and 105. Is his average? That's his average. How many year career? 22. 22 and say that again? 32 and what? It was 35 and 105. And a 292 average. Yes. Yeah, that's that's outstanding. All that's got to be is PED, straight up. Uh, one more, one more. And then a bunch of people that aren't ever going to be on the ballot again. Andrew Jones, he uh, was the uh, closest, the closest from getting off the ballot. He was able to bring in seven point five. So as long as you get five percent, you're good. After him, it dropped down to two point one percent. So Andrew Jones, second year on there. I don't feel like he's as sexy of a name for a lot of people out there, but I, Biggie, as much as I'd like to hear what you got to say on this, yeah, we'll please. go to our resident uh, Braves fan here. All right, so I produced a little post about this today. Andrew Jones is the best center fielder defensively in the history of the game. Uh, even That's better, an old statement, statement, Cotton. <laughs> even better than our beloved Willie Mays. Uh, he's better than King Griffey Jr. He's better than Kenny Lofton. Now, let me remind you, I'm talking defense only. I, 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 okay? heard, you. I heard you. He is the best defender in center field ever. And it's rated he's the highest war for center for an outfielder. Defensive war, right? defensive war for an outfielder. All I'm saying is for defensive war, Andrew had twenty four point two war. This defense alone. It's not even worth arguing about because I agree that he's one no, of the I, best. I, but of I'm all just time. saying the great Willie Mays said seventeen point nine. Mm-hmm. All right. And guess who's not on the top five? Edgar Martinez. In center for outfielders. <laughs> Griffey. Griffey's not even in the top five. We all know that the Gold Glove, to an extent, is a popularity it contest. Is. It's all about highlight reels, And Griffey's right? going to get it because he's Griffey. He's going to make the highlight. And he had some over-the-fence catches. I love Griffey. Yeah. By far, Griffey is an all-around player. So pull your panties out of your crack, Biggie. Let me finish. <laughs> Andrew Jones was better than Griffey because he got the balls that Griffey would never think of getting to. As far as defense. That's that's my, I'm still on defense. Right. I haven't got to the just offense my, side I'm yet. I'm just keeping everybody in the loop here. So, Andrew Jones is right there. He's fourth all-time in defensive runs saved, okay? Okay. He's behind Brooks Robinson. Have you seen the highlights of Brooks Robinson at third base? No. You've never seen Brooks Robinson highlights? I have, but not in a point where I can sit there and tell you that. All right. So, he's a madman, right? Okay. And I will say this, and I, it pains me to say this, Mark Bellinger – Really? Does anybody know who Mark Bellinger is? Uh, White Sox? Like second baseman. Second baseman? I don't know, but he's 240 behind Brooks Robinson. Third is Ozzie Smith, the Wizard. And fourth is Andrew Jones, okay? So, he's fourth all time. So, my point is, if we're putting Ozzie Smith in the Hall of Fame just based on his defense, okay? Because, let's be real. Ozzie Smith was not a factor with the bat. He had 
2,400 hits. He was a career 262 hitter. For his uh, 19-year career, Ozzie Smith averaged two home runs, 50 RBIs, and 37 stolen bases with a 262 average. So Ozzie didn't get in because anything he did offensively. It's because he was good in the field, and he did backflips every game for the crowd. And he was average offense. That's all he got in for. Yeah. Was his defense and his backflip? I'm just trying to figure out who the hell Mark Bellinger is. Well, you can look that up. <laughs> I can't find so, it. I think he just made that name up. My point is, if if, if Ozzy's going to get in based on his defense, because we just talked about his offense right. didn't ha- didn't help at all. Andrew Jones also played. He wasn't a DH. Okay. Nope. So he averaged thirty-two and ninety-five. I had no idea it was that high. Over a seventeen-year career. He did bat only bat 254, but he was a swing and miss kind of guy. He averaged 11 stolen bases. And, uh, I mean, his OPS was in the 800s. A five time All Star, 434 career home runs. So it's not like he was no slouch with the bat. He usually batted fourth or fifth in a lineup. He did take a little tour in Japan there towards the end, you know. But, and he won a title there. Yeah, I, if you're, if you're comparing Ozzie Smith and Andrew Jones. I feel like Andrew Jones is the better pick than even the Wizard because he did contribute on both sides of the ball. And Ozzy was more just defense only. So I'm all in on Andrew Jones. who He won't ever get in, and it's a travesty. Well, I just say two things on Andrew Jones. One, when it comes to how you play the outfield these last 25 years and the highlights of sports center and everything else you get so much more glorified if you make a catch at the wall over the wall like griffey was more famous for than you do for what andrew jones did where he took away a ton of what would have been short shallow base hits he didn't get beat short he didn't get beat deep i think that uh where he came in young with the braves in the mid 90s and they were playing the world series he's almost a victim of coming in so strong at the start and not finishing strong that people take away from what he actually did. I didn't think his his overall hitting was that good. His his OPS is a little lower than some of the guys that are ahead of him on the list right now. All right, but the defensive aspect of it. I, so your argument is essentially he's Ozzy Smith with a better bat. Amen. Yes. Okay. All right. This is why he's not going to get in. All right. It has nothing to do with it. It's the same reason why Schilling's not gotten in so All far. Right. And he doesn't have the profile that Schilling does, right? He's not the big game bloody sock, won multiple World Series. He had the, the, the two home run game as a 19-year-old against the Yankees. That's, But that was at the beginning of his and career. That, that's, that's his biggest moment. He's got a domestic violence issue. Okay. That the way these writers are. I'm not saying I would keep him out for that. Now that I'm condoning... Domestic violence. We don't know the situation, the story, all that stuff. I don't think he went to jail or anything like that. Right. Or he might have. I don't know. I'll look that up. But I know he had a domestic violence issue. And the way the writers are, if he's already this low, like he's barely he's barely on the board, I could see him falling off. It would cause them to just fear on the side of caution and just stay away from it. Yep. And I agree with you. But it's sad because he was he was really better than what people's letting on. Andrew Jones, domestic violence with his wife. It was on Christmas Day. She filed for divorce two weeks later, then retracted it, and apparently they're still doing okay. So, but but I'm telling you, there still will be some writers that hold that against him. That and the fact 
that he was less than 2,000 hits for his career, right? I'd have to look. I, and I'd for, say it's around there. I don't, I don't think they've ever put anybody in that has less than 2,000 hits. I thought he had like 2,200. All right, guys, that will not be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Michael Young, Lance Berkman that we talked about earlier, Miguel Tejada, Roy Oswalt, Placido Polanco. He got votes. <laughs> Who votes for Pl- Placido Polanco? <laughs> I can't even say it. He got two. That's ridiculous. See, they need fired. Um, Derek Lowe, Jason Bay, Juan Pierre, Freddie Garcia, Ted Lilly, Travis Hafner, Darren Oliver, Kevin Euclid, Rick Ann Keel, who I heard is trying to make a comeback, uh, Vernon Wells, and John Garland. They are all off the ballot. That's, that's good with me. All right, so we're not upset about any of those. Nope. But we did not mention some pretty big names because of the heart of the matter, the reason why this stupid thing is so backlogged, you got all these names that have the asterisks, that the writers are split. And it is. It's about 50-50. You got some that want to put them in and some don't. And the thing that you got to understand about the baseball writers is while you can put 10 names on your votes, you don't have to. You can put six. You can put four. So... There's no indication that these guys are going to get in. So when you hear the percentage that they're sitting on, it's not a lock. We know we already talked about Derek Jeter being, you know, a pretty much guarantee, probably unanimous now that we already got one out of the way. But after that, there's nobody else. Maybe Larry Walker gets in. But you don't have room in Cooperstown for Roger Clemens, for Barry Bonds, for Manny Ramirez. For Andy Pettit, for Sammy Sosa. Is that the right thing to do? Are the writers getting it correct, or are they screwing it up? I think that the um, there was no testing during that time, so I feel like that those guys should be judged based on their uh, competitors. I feel like the best of the era should come in, and they should be voted, and uh, they should be put in. I will say this. Unlike the, the bottom guys that you mentioned, Barry Bonds, the best hitter that ever played baseball. Of all time. He's the best hitter ever. Roger Clemens, probably the best pitcher of our generation. Of that era. So you take him out, it's obviously defaults to Maddox. But I think that Clemens was... You just sl- had to throw that in there, didn't you? No, I'm just saying, I think Clemens is slightly ahead of Maddox. With that being said, if all things are equal. But Barry Bonds was the best hitter ever because... In his later years, he would get one pitch a game to hit, and he would jack it into McCovey Cove. They'd be out there with their kayaks, all fighting over who got to the ball. Bobby Cox, more than one occasion, walked Barry Barnes with the bases loaded just so he would say, I'd rather give up one than four. That's what he said after the game. Who does that? So I think there's only, before you go, Biggie, there's only three or four people in baseball history with an OBS over 1,000. And Bonds is one of them. Yeah. You know, and he did it in an era of insane complexities to the game and pitching and strategies and all these things, as well as steroids. The the thing that I want to know is is Bonds the linchpin for everybody associated with this era? Because he's so dominant, because he was he's I agree with you, the most feared hitter. In the history of the sport, if he gets in, everybody gets in. If he doesn't get in, 
I'm not sure that other people don't, but his per- he's the figurehead. But his performance was so. I mean, if you want to talk about a unanimous, you know, uh, selection, if there was no steroids, he's oh, he's absolutely, absolutely. But that dark cloud is is huge, Biggie. What do you think, bud? Wow. Two things on that. One, I can also remember Book Showalter walking Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. It was a thing. He <laughs> was so feared as a hitter. It it wasn't a surprise to make that type of a move. And as feared as he was as a hitter, his ego is the reason he's sitting on the outside looking in, not, not his association. It doesn't help. Because he was a first ballot, maybe unanimous Hall of Famer. Before he was ever associated with any of that, just a pure great hitter, five tool player, 500 home runs, 500 steals. If there is a guy associated with that era that should be in, it's Bonds. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I could tell you this: if if he had the same demeanor as like a Fred McGriff, and he still had the Balco cloud, he would still not be in. I don't care if – I mean, him being a dick, yeah, it hurts things because he, he's not a very likable guy. I got that. But I feel like he, if he was a model citizen, I don't feel like he'd still be in because it was so cloudy and uh, he was so good. And so many people are so torn up that he broke, you know, Hank Aaron's home run record that they're like, we're not letting him in. He's not our champ, which I can appreciate. But – Bonds was an outstanding hitter in its own. Like uh, he was, he was amazing. You can't act like this stuff didn't happen. Like, is your Hall of Fame? Like, I'm starting to second guess. Do I want to go to Cooperstown? Do I want to go to the Hall of Fame where Harold Baines is in, but Barry Bonds isn't? What's wrong with this? I mean, look, I understand how terrible steroids are. You know, it kind of goes back to the argument with like Pete Rose, right? I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Don't let him anywhere around the sport. Don't let him do anything. But you know what's funny is even with the whole steroid thing, like you you want to know who's really watching this to see what transpires? Alex Rodriguez. Because Alex Rodriguez isn't getting in if Bonds doesn't get in. There's no way. And, and he's been the guy to what you were talking about with the demeanor since his playing days have ended. He's on TV. He's trying to give back to the game. He, he's he's on, is it ESPN or he's an ESPN analyst. And if you listen to his comments today, he said all the right things. Like he, he's putting himself out there and saying. I don't think he gets you, in. You know, you, I agree with you. He's not getting in. Not not unless somebody's got to break the wall down first. And it's got to be one of these guys. If, if, if you got. Bonds and and Clemens are both on year. It'll be the eighth time next year, and they're around sixty. So their their percentages that they're on fifty nine is they're, yeah they're they're both. So after Messina, Schilling was the next one out, and then it's Clemens and Bonds. They're both there at about sixty percent, but they both need to pick up approximately sixty five more votes. There's no way. Uh, here's the problem though. The guys that's voted for them, they've already voted for them. They're either a hard yes or a hard no. I don't feel like they're going to have enough votes in these next three years How are you going to change, to change their mind? mind. How are you going to change their mind? They're not getting mind? in. And the Veterans Committee sure as hell is not going to put them in. I can tell you that because they draw a line on the sand. They won't put him in. They would put in a freaking Harold Baines before <laughs> Barry Bonds. They, they already and have. shown that. <laughs> they already have. Mr. Brown nailed it right there. They got 
until their 10-year period to get in because they're not getting in on the Veterans Committee. And for A-Rod to get in, Bonds or Clemens has to get in because A-Rod isn't eligible for, or his last year eligibility would be, what, 12, 13 years from now? It's not going to matter if Bonds or Clemens doesn't get in. I don't think that he does either. I mean, just, just a couple other things. So we're talking about the steroid guys. So we, we mentioned Sheffield, not as not as closely linked, right. but speculated. But right. it's hurting him. Right. Sosa, 8.5%. That's insane. He might fall off next year. He had that, the steroids and the cork bat incident. But he had like, what, almost 600 or something home runs, right? Yeah. And he single-handedly, with Mark McGuire, I guess, brought the game back from Brought the, the game back. I mean, and everyone turned their head. I can't say I blame the guy because he feels like his life's better off as a vampire. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe he's maybe he's right. Because just come out during the nighttime because no one wants to see Sammy Sosa anymore. He's a scary individual. Um, he looks, he's like the Joker. Dude, I'm telling you, it freaks me out. But I say that's pretty much a... Uh, uh, knocks out our chances of an interview. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> this, the stuff with with the, the steroids. This is, uh, you know, I, I wrote this thing today, and it was basically just talking about how, you know, baseball is to blame for all this. Like, you know, as bad as you want to get about these guys for cheating, when you refused to, to have testing to stop this problem when you knew it was happening, when you got legends of this game like Tony Gwynn saying, well, it's just the thing we're not supposed to talk about, but yet it keeps happening, and then Conseco writes the book, and everybody's like, oh, it's Conseco. Turns out he was the smartest mf in the room. I mean, if they turn their head to what's going on, if you see the powers that be turn their head, right, a player is going to be like, how far can I push this before it becomes an issue? Well, you can't ever suspend me for doing it because you're never going to test me. You can't. 2003, the NFL tested for anabolic steroids in 1987. Major League Baseball screwed up. Two things about Major League Baseball, who's Hall of Fame or not. It's Bud Selig and the Hall of Fame. Part of the problem, though, is when it all, it all started with a stupid strike because... They put Selig in charge. The owners wanted a salary cap, and the players didn't. And the players are right because they said, if we got a salary cap, we're not going to make as much money. It's not just a salary cap for the team. It's a salary cap for me, and I'm going to be limited. So the players, they didn't want any part of it. The revenue-sharing model and all that stuff was trying to get figured out. And basically, the owners went and told Bud Selig, who they just put in the role, and they said, you know what? You, we give you full authority to do all the negotiating. And it fell apart, and we had the work stoppage, and we didn't play the World Series. It was the second time that baseball had a work stoppage in the past 15 years. And it killed the fans. The fans went away from it. And then when it came back, and all the steroid use was taking place, because even though it was on the banned list and they weren't testing for it, guess what? We started looking the other way because attendance sucked. We pissed off our fans. They quit coming to the games. We had to do something. And it's just like with anything. Offense is going to get you. Chicks dig the long ball, right? So fast forward a couple years later, you get to the home run race. I mean, you can go back and look at the interviews of Mark McGuire standing in front of his locker, and you see the bottle of pills and Andrew sitting in his locker, and nobody bats an eye. And you get what you get. You you deserve this, baseball. That's what I think is funny about the whole situation and talking about these guys who should or shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame based on what they did or didn't do. Baseball profited from it back then. 
and it got them to where they are now, these other guys are just left to be the scapegoats. You cheated. You're not allowed in. We're all about integrity. All I can say is, is that Barry Bonds was definitely a Hall of Famer before he went to San Francisco. I mean, he was just adding on at that point. I made a comment that you could take off 250 home runs on his career average. He would still be a Hall of Famer. He done things in a sport no one's ever did. He was just in a league by himself. Uh, same thing with Roger Clemens. He was an all, he was a Hall of Famer before he went to the New uh, Yankees. He was a Hall of Famer with the Red Sox, and he was that pitcher that everyone looked up to. You know, the Rocket, the guy who would just come in and mow everybody down. So I just feel like they're both surefire Hall of Famers. I feel like both of them had a very good chance to be unanimous selections, taking away the suspicions because they were both the best at what they did for a long time. So the the thing is they, they cheated. I get that. And I understand that baseball has that written in their selection process about the integrity. It's a big deal. I understand that. But it was the entire era. I mean, you Ken Caminetti won an MVP, and he died yeah. because of steroid use. Right. I mean, this, this was what the era had become. It's what they turned it into. They created the environment. It was their doing. Now they got to live with it. And if you want to put them in and put an asterisk, that's fine. If you want to build a wing, like if you ever look and see how they break down the Veterans Committee, they break it down by era, right? We're in, we're in today's era. Today's era, you know what year it started? 1988. That sounds an awful lot like when the steroid era started. Yep. So why don't we take today's era and build a separate wing? Because you know what? We can, we can go to guys like King Griffey Jr., who nobody suspects of steroids, and elevate him a little higher because he did better against maybe potential juicing pitchers. And a Maddox. At the, same thing. You can talk about Maddox and say, this guy did it the right way. He's he's a unanimous Hall of Famer to me. I mean, that's how we should look at it. He struck out these uh, steroid users throwing 89 because he could throw any pitch he wanted on any count in any location. So, I mean, again – don't don't you're taken away from those players now because right. you're 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 putting a, a a scar on the entire era and i think what you got to do is you got to let them in you got to let them all in you can't just let a couple in you let one in they all got to go in i'm not saying they have anything to do with baseball ever again but cooperstown above anything else is a museum it is a living memorial for the history of baseball and you can't sit there and act like it didn't happen. Because it did. I don't see you going back and taking away World Series trophies from people during the 90s. It happened. It's just like in college when you got a team that has you know students on the on the paybook or paycheck or whatever, and they're I meant to say payroll, couldn't figure out the damn word. But the same that you go back and you take the Heisman trophy from Reggie Bush and you and you take the title from USC. That game was played. That trophy was won. That happened. You can't act like it didn't. And baseball screwing this up. Now, the one thing I'm holding out hope for, and I'll ask you guys this, is there any chance that you have 60 writers out there that just want to make them wait till the 10th year? That are just going to say, you know what? We'll make them sweat it out. Because they're already over halfway. They got... And that's kind of how the debate is. Everything on our sites today, all the it was split, right? Every person that would comment on something that we put out there, one person's like, they'll need to burn in hell. The other one is, you know what, it is what it is. 
I'm kind of shocked they got 60% of the vote already. So, I mean, I'm kind of shocked they're past the 50%. Um, I do not think they'll get in in the next three years. I think these guys, I don't think they're playing hardball. I truly believe that they don't feel like they should be in, and I don't. I feel like they're going to go to the Veterans Committee, and they'll never get in. That's just my opinion. To me, there's a separation between the guys who actually tested positive and those who were just associated with it. Like, so like Manny Ramirez. What about Manny Ramirez? He tested positive. Didn't he test positive multiple times too? He, yeah, he won't get and in. And he was a horrible outfielder and a poor base runner. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is <laughs> immensely associated with it. He's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Roger Clemens, did he actually test positive? To me, there's a difference between when it was associated as being bad and when they actually started making it illegal in baseball. Yeah, I feel like if somebody was suspended for it, then absolutely. But if, if they've never suspended while playing the game of Major League Baseball, then I think they should be judged based on their numbers. And Bonds was good, man. He played five years after the testing started. I said that I feel like you know you should base it on the numbers and uh, not whether I mean not whether you uh, have suspicion. Just did they get suspended? Nope. Did they fail a test? Nope. So then there you go. It, to me, it's pretty simple. So let me ask you this: David Ortiz pops up on the list next year. He failed a test but wasn't suspended because it was during the preliminary stages when they rolled it out. But he still had a positive. But that was with his with the twins, right? No. Was it with the Red Sox? That was with the Red Sox. Early on, right? It was, uh, oh, well, oh, three is when they started, so it was oh, two okay. when, he, when he tested gotcha. positive. So uh, he's a DH. He's going to have that. Is that for a guy like that who wasn't ever suspended but tested positive, never missed a game, that's the only link he ever had his entire career was that one instance. Is he is he done? Is he never getting in? He'll get in. He'll just have to wait. See, I, how can you put him in when he failed a test but not put somebody like Bonds in? Because he played for the Red Sox. They won World Series. It's <laughs> the media market. It's how amplified he was. It's I've, all a popularity contest. I'm going to tell you, David Ortiz gets in, and not for the, that reason. He's going to get in because all the writers that are on the fence uh, are on the, on the side of the fence that won't ever vote those guys in, they'll be gone. How do you fix this? Everything we talked about tonight. The, the Hall of Fame is a mess. So, like, the steroid thing, even though the three of us are sitting here saying put them in. And, like, don't get me wrong. It was despicable what they did. They're cheaters. They're dirty cheaters. But the whole league was cheating. Right. So, so I don't think you can put them on the cross and not everybody else when right. you don't have all the information. Because you're just making speculation at this point. So the whole thing was screwed up. So don't hate on us. And say that we don't have respect for the game. We do have respect for the game. Put them in there and, and do whatever you want to to talk about that era so we don't forget where we came from. The whole but game was tainted. The whole game was tainted. But you go back to the way the Baseball Hall of Fame works. How do you fix this? Or can you? Or is this just destined to keep repeating and be this stupid cycle that we're going to always live in? I think as long as you allow... Regular people like us who haven't played the sport but write about it to be the voters and the guys who determine it, you're going to have this type of uh, thing. It's like having human error with referees. It's always going to be there. The situation or the standards may change as the years go by, but there will never be a time where there is a baseline where, hey, you cross this baseline, you're in. That will never happen. 
I mean, I just feel like there's no real way to correct it other than if people would get over their stubbornness and just be like, you know what, like we just said, the game was tainted. Uh, let's vote on the body of work, not a- absolutely on what we think of the guy. Because that's all we're doing is basically saying, this is what I think the guy did. It's not about what actually happened because it's just all suspicion. I feel like we just need to vote for the best of the generation. The testing's in place now. And if you want to feel like you're going to um, not vote on anybody that gets suspended for steroids at this point, then that's your opinion. But at that point, there was no testing. So I feel like we got to move on with the best players of that era. Pudge, Pudge is in the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, he is. Um, Jeff Bagwell's on the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, sir. Biggio? Yes, sir. Longevity for him, but yeah. But but these are guys that we're all linked to, right? Yeah, they had suspicion. Yeah. Why is one good and not the other? That's what I'm saying. You've done screwed up. If you don't, like, you're at the point now where if you don't put them all in, then your Hall of Fame's a joke. And like I said, if your Hall of Fame celebrates the body of work of Harold Baines and not Barry Bonds and not Roger Clemens, what kind of Hall of Fame do you have? Whether they go in or not isn't going to deter anyone in the future from doing steroids. Yeah. If I you do. think you can get away with it, you're going to do it. If you if hey. you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. Mr. Brown, who's the guy? He played for the San Francisco Giants. Then he went over to Blue Jays. This is the last three, four years. Got busted with the Giants. Uh, went to the Blue Jays. He was led the league in average or something like that. He got a huge contract. He's the perfect example of, I'll try to beat the system and get the money because it's all guaranteed. You're talking about Melky Cabrera? Yeah. Cabrera. Yeah. He got a, he got a, he's made a ton of money in MLB. Has he been to- busted twice now? Like, hey, that's okay. It's guaranteed money. I'll cheat. Right. I mean, they're going to get their money. But here's the thing. The way baseball is set up now, guess what happens? You get suspended. And if you test positive twice, you get suspended a long time. Ryan Braun, I mean, he missed the whole year, didn't he? I think the the sins of the cheaters will wreck their career on their own. Correct. Because you're yeah. going to take them out of it. Third strike, you're done. Yep. You can't even freaking come back. So you're either going to do it and get the big contract like Biggie said, but then are you going to be able to sustain your career and actually get into the hall? No. Because you're going to go off the the cream in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> go to the flaxseed oil. <laughs> Stay on the DL. <laughs> but I see, I think that's what will happen as you continue to go and things evolve. You'll always have guys get busted because all they care about, they don't care about the Hall of Fame. They care about, can I get that one big contract because it's all guaranteed money. Yeah, you're not thinking about the Hall of Fame when you're third and fourth year into the league. That's not that's not what's on your mind. It's about that straight cash, homie. Nope. Oh, all right. So unanimously, the Hall of Fame is a crapshoot, right? It, it, I think it's broken and it needs fixed. Absolutely. Do you just give the uh, players control of it? That's tough. Because we just talked about how they hold people in that high regard, those legends and everything. Or is that just you know for a certain tier of of talent? I mean, I think you can mix in more players and, you know, have some a few uh, esteemed writers out there do their thing. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying there's no easy way to fix it. Bringing it back to the whole unanimous thing, and I'm going to tell you why it happened. And it's, it's a fluke that it happened and why it's never happened before in the past. And this is what's wrong with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Do you know how many writers vote on the Hall of Fame? 
400? It's over 400. So let me ask you this. If you put all, if you put 400 people that you grab off the street and you put them in a room and you ask them, is the earth round or flat? Are all 400 of them going to tell you that it's round? I mean, unless you're with Kyrie Irving. <laughs> right? I would say so. There might be a person <laughs> that tells you no. Yeah, right. You know, if you ask them, you know, did we land on the moon? There's going to be one or two of them that tell you you're crazy. Right. That's the reason why you've never had the unanimous votes in the past. That's why I'm glad it's out of the way now because you got people. It's kind of like fantasy football where you had people in our league that just voted against every trade no matter what, just out of principle. That's how they feel. It's the way the voters are. It's the right. same thing. And and you're going to have the ones that on principle that they believe this misguided view of, of what they think is justice, they're going to keep doing what they're going to do. I mean, you might have like a biggie in there that would just be like a complete homer and just like vote based on their homerism. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Edgar, Edgar Martinez, Jay no matter Muner, what. Dan Wilson. No matter what. <laughs> who's, some, who's some more? Put Mike Cloud in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. whatever it takes. Brent Boone. Uh, Brent <laughs> I'll never forget his home run derby. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> so, but the the point is, as long as you keep having four hundred people, take it down to like fifty people, give them a list that they have to vote on, and that's it. The problem is they got too many hands in it. Yeah. And and the fact that you can stop covering sports, and for a decade. So look at it this way: the ten years that you're allowed to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. That's the if Bob Ryan, you know, for the Boston Globe has a vote for it, right? If he retired today, then he's going to have an opinion, even though he's not covering sports anymore, on Andrew Jones until he's off the ballot, no matter what. Even though he's not covering sports anymore. That's how screwed up it is. Oh, yeah, They're allowed to still vote for it as long as you're allowed to be on the ballot. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And see, to me, that's where... How many teams are in Major League Baseball? 30? Yep. So, to me, how many how many guys typically cover a team? One, maybe two. There should be 60 or, say, 61 as a tiebreaker. That should be your number of Hall of Fame votes. Current guys covering baseball. Not Bob Ryan, who hasn't covered baseball in seven years and is voting or not voting for Andrew Jones or Kurt Schilling. Now, I'm with you. Give me a couple beat writers from each team and call it a day. It's like if you were to go like uh, the most baseball discussion that you're going to hear on I thought about that one first, too. Uh, I can tell.